Well, good morning, everyone, and a warm welcome from me to you this morning as we continue in our series through Colossians. And we've arrived at the end of chapter 3, verse 18 to verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. And we're thinking about Paul's teaching to the Colossians on the theme of relationships, or as the NIV says, Paul's instructions to the Christian household. And so this morning, I'm going to read from the message translation from verse 18 of chapter 3. And he says this, Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honour the master. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master no end. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. Servants, do what you were told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being Christian doesn't cover up bad work. And masters, treat your servants considerately. Be fair with them. Don't forget for a minute that you too serve a master God in heaven. I do pray that God will bless us as we consider and share his word together this morning. Well, relationships, they can give us a great deal of joy. They may cause us a great deal of sorrow. We can't live without them. And sometimes we may have problems living with them. I wonder, is that sum up your experience in life of relationships? Joy, sorrow, can't live without, sometimes have problems with. And I think that might reflect the experience as well of the Christians in the Colossian church that Paul is speaking to here. The Bible is actually absolutely full of the detail and the drama of human relationships that is part and partial of the outworking of God's story involving humanity. From the very beginning, our relational God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, relationally one in creating human beings, set the wheel of relationships in motion. And Paul, in teaching the Colossians, has been reminding them that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, a beautiful world within which human life and relationships could develop, grow and flourish. We know that relationships are very much about us connecting and interacting as people, and they affect every aspect of life. As the saying goes, no man or no person is an island. We are wired to be relational and social beings. And God's loving, impersonal interaction was there from the very beginning, first with Adam, then with Adam and Eve. 
the pioneers of marriage and of family life. And importantly, as a couple, they were relationally connected and at one with God. But we soon see, however, that disconnection taking place, don't we? As they chose to disobey God and separated their lives away from him. And then as humanity increased in number, so it seemed did the complexities, the sinful complexities of life, as humanity began living outside of a relationship with God, their creator. We have been looking at how Paul has been highlighting to the Colossians that although humanity abandoned God, God has never abandoned humanity. God's purpose and his plan is that we should live in a loving, trusting relationship with him and with each other. Look at the difference, says Paul, that Jesus now makes to your life. Look at who he is and what he has done for you. It is the death and the resurrection of Jesus that enables our connection and our relationship with God to be restored once more. In Jesus, we start afresh. We are given a new way of living and a new way of relating, both to God as our heavenly father and to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is because of Jesus and his salvation that we now belong to him and to the family and the household of God. The two are interconnected. This life of Jesus in you, says Paul, will affect and impact your relationships with one another. And he is concerned that the relationships within Christian households, our homes, and the relationships within the household of the church, the church family, should reflect and honour Jesus in the way that we relate and treat one another. And so this morning I will be referring to relationships within these households. I can remember sitting in a coffee shop. Remember them? Seems a long time ago. But I noticed on the wall behind me, there was some writing written along the wall, which said this, the earth revolves around the sun. Our world revolves around coffee. And I thought, well, that's a relevant slogan for a coffee shop, but it made me think on, well, what does my world my life revolve around, hopefully more than coffee, enjoyable though it is. In Acts 17, 28, we read this. For in him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. We live, we move in Jesus. So our lives are to revolve around him. He is to be at the hub, the central wheel, if you like, of our personal lives and our relationships. Whether it is in a marriage, a parenting relationship, our family unit, our church family. This is what Paul has been emphasising to the Colossians, that Jesus is the one who has supremacy. He is first at the centre of all. And Paul is pointing to doing life and relationships the Jesus way. And I use the word doing because it does involve choice. The Christian life is about, well, who is going to be in charge on a daily basis? 
Will I do life and relate my way or Jesus' way? And who will have the final say in the household of relationships? We know that when children are very young, well, they expect the world to revolve around them. That is the top priority, that the world and their needs is about them. And they will certainly make that known, won't they, if that is not happening. We have all been there ourselves. But gradually, as children grow, they begin to realise and notice, oh, there are other people in my world that might need some consideration. But even as grown-ups and even as Christians, don't you find that this inner child is very able to resurface again, particularly within the realm of relationships? It can surface with an attitude of, so what about me? What about my needs? And what about what I want? It can so easily become a spirit of demandingness. And if that happens, it will certainly have a negative effect upon our relationships. We know that our interaction together will impact and affect one another, either in a negative or in a positive way. During the summer, I witnessed a little drama that I had never seen before. I was walking along Even Beach at Muddyford, found a quieter spot, went in for a paddle. Alongside me, I noticed that two seagulls had the same idea and they were paddling alongside at the edge of the water, side by side. After a few minutes when I looked, these two seagulls were no longer happily paddling side by side. They were now facing one another and they were gripping hold of one another tightly by the beak and they were pulling one another with all their might. And as I watched, I thought, this does not look like a loving, relational, bonding type of thing that's going on here, more like a tug of war. And as I watched, one pulled the other by the beak up onto the beach, the other reciprocated and pulled back, and in doing so fell on its back into the water and its wing went out against a rock. And at that, I just felt obliged to move towards them, clap my hands and say, stop it. And they did. I then looked around just to make sure nobody saw or heard that I was trying to referee two seagulls. I know, sad. But do you know, we human beings can behave like that, happily coexisting one minute and the next pulling against one another at loggerheads. We know that in our relationships we can choose to come together or we can push one another away in the way that we relate and treat one another. So what then is the Jesus way? What can we learn from him that we need to take on board right into our lives? Well, Paul says this in Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Mindset. What is your mindset? It's quite an in word nowadays, I think. What are your beliefs, your values, your attitudes that govern and direct your life and your behaviour? And Paul is saying that we as Christians need to have the mindset of Jesus. 
and for that to be expressed in our relationships with one another. So what does that look like? Well, I think Jesus' mindset was this. He prioritised the relationship with his father. His life on earth was completely centred upon that relationship, first and foremost. He highly valued it. It was a loving, trusting, committed relationship. Think of the time that Jesus spent in the Father's presence, being in his company, sharing, listening, communicating with him. And these are all important traits in building and strengthening any relationship. Jesus consulted his Father. He cooperated with his Father. He submitted to and followed his counsel. And it was out of that relationship that resourced and served Jesus himself and his relationships with other people. He put the interests of honouring and serving the Father first. That was his mindset. And out of that, he lovingly served the interests of others. Of course, this raises a very important question for me and for you. Do I... Do we have that mindset of highly valuing our relationship with God in Jesus? Are we centred upon him? Do we give him priority? Do we keep in touch with him? Do you know, in Jesus, we have the most precious relational gift we will ever be given. No other relationship will meet and fulfil our deepest needs as highly valued and precious a marriage relationship is, as is a parenting relationship, our family, our church family, etc., none will meet our deepest needs as a loving relationship with Jesus. Why? Because as Paul reminds us, we have been created by him and for him. And only Jesus can reach deep down into the very soul of our being in a life-giving and a life-changing way. So I wonder, are you in that relationship with Jesus? In Jesus, we have everything. He is our life source and our resource. And it is a relationship that will never end. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus. So do we have a mindset of Jesus first. So let's have a closer look into the way that Jesus thought that he lived and related. And in Philippians 2, Paul provides us with a lovely insight. He tells us that although Jesus was equal with God, he did not use it in any way to his own advantage. In other words, Jesus in his relationship with his father never took advantage of the power he did have within that relationship. There was no sense of competition, nor did he compete or use his power to take advantage in his relationships with people. Jesus only ever used his power for good and for the well-being of others. So if we place that into a relational setting for us, that would mean that we don't seek to compete in a relationship with another. It means there should be no misuse of power in a relationship, no sense of superiority 
or inferiority, of dominance or subservience in the way that we relate and treat one another, in our own homes, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our church family. We are to have a mindset that looks out for the well-being and the good of the other. Of course, Jesus did face challenges relationally with people. He did with his own immediate family. Apart from his own mum, who did understand him more, other members of his family and the community he was brought up in, they didn't quite get him or understand what he was about. He had relational challenges with the Pharisees, but he was very prepared to eat with them, engage in dialogue and share with the truth with them. There were relational challenges at times with the disciples and, of course, with the authorities. So Jesus does know about living life here on earth. He is the greatest, but in his humanity, he never sought after greatness. Seeking after power, having status, prestige, selfish ambition, pride, even guarding or holding on to his own reputation was not part of his mindset or his conduct. Instead, and this is what we need to take hold of, instead we see a mindset full of love. The Bible calls Jesus' love agape love, relationally expressed by Jesus as a selfless, self-giving and a sacrificial love. Flowing out of this agape love, we see the expression of him humbly serving the interests and the well-being of others. Agape love that humbly served journeyed hand in hand in his relationship with his father and in his relationships with people. This agape love is the kind of relational love that Jesus was referring to when he gave us the commandment, love one another as I have loved you. This love of Jesus filling our lives. This love of Jesus coming into our homes, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our church family life, the Christian households that Paul is referring to here. And Paul tells us how this love is to be expressed in our relationships with one another. In Philippians 2, 3, he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There is a mutual participation and responsibility of this within our relationships with one another. It is not one-sided. There is a process of giving and receiving in how we value and how we look out for one another. A sense of mutually blessing one another, if you like, in Christ. I came across a definition of humility that I had not heard of before by John Piper. He said this, humility is the opposite of a sense of entitlement. It needs thinking about. But if we take that definition of humility into a relational setting, it means that we should not insist 
or we cannot insist that we have our own way or that we have a right over the other person. Challenging. And remember, Jesus was quick to point this out to his disciples when they were having a set to about who should have the prominent place at the table. And then when Jesus knelt before each one of them and humbly washed their dirty feet. Lovingly submitting and serving and giving them preference over and above his own needs. And when you stop and think about that, it is such a complete contrast to having a spirit of demandingness. What about me? What about I? what I need? What about what I want that I referred to earlier? Such a contrast. In Ephesians 4 verse 2 it says, Be completely humble and patient, bearing with one another in love. It's such an important inclusion here of bearing one another in love, isn't it? Because it touches on the reality that, of course, we, there will be times we have to do just that. The occasions when our personality mix will cause annoyance or friction. But often I think that can be the God-given opportunity for some godly sandpaper to smooth over our rough edges, to bring change in us and within that relationship. And then the occasion, perhaps, when the relational wires of communication become crossed or entangled by misunderstanding, misinterpreting or making assumptions. There are such wise words in James 1, 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There was a husband who went to see his pastor once. Pastor, he said, I just need some advice. I'm having a bit of difficulty understanding my wife. So the pastor thought for a minute or two and said, I think that you should go home, make every effort to really listen to what she is saying. Okay, said the husband, I'll give that a go. And off he went. A week later, back he comes. Pastor, I've really tried what you suggested, but I'm still having a bit of difficulty. Any more suggestions? The pastor thought for a minute. Hmm. This time I want you to go home, really concentrate and make every effort on what she is saying between the lines. I should say that could have been a wife coming to the pastor. But it just highlights the importance of listening well and developing good communication in our relationships with one another. Really listening in order to gain an understanding of each other. And then when the relational wiring does get messy or broken, what does Paul tell us in Colossians? Forgive. Out of the abundance of the grace that Jesus gives us, we are to engage in forgiveness and in reconciliation when we need to do that. It is all about relating and treating one another in the way that Jesus graciously loves and treats us. That sums up, in a way, relationships made simple. And we can only do it with all the help that we need to receive in our lives from Jesus. Putting our relationship with him first and foremost and keeping him at the centre. 
having and expressing the mindset of Jesus, agape love that humbly serves the interests and the well-being of the other. And actually, there is no one who sums this up better than Jesus himself. He has given us a beautiful relational picture of the Christian household in John chapter 15. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Each one of us personally grafted into and relationally connected into the life and the person of Jesus himself. It is our place of belonging. And you will notice that the vine is absolutely central to each branch and to all of the branches that are joined into and placed in the vine. And what does Jesus tell us? Remain in him, abide in him. And the life of the vine, the life of Jesus, is to flow in us and through us so that we together display the beauty and the attractiveness of his love in and through our relationships with one another, in our homes, in our church family, right out into the community so that the world will see that we are his disciples by the love that we have for one another. And finally, Paul in Colossians 3 reminds us that we are not serving ourselves. We are living, we are loving, we are serving Jesus and honouring him right throughout our relationships. So as we think about this, I wonder in these extraordinary days that we are living in, perhaps we have come to value more than ever before, I know I have, how important the gift of relationships that we have been given. The gift of the relationship we have with Jesus and the gift of relationships we have been given in our family, church family and beyond. And how we need to cherish and keep cherishing and looking after them. And this morning God might be speaking to you in many different ways. He might be speaking about your relationship with him, with someone in your immediate family, with relationships within the church family. And so I just want to come in prayer and to be still before him and let his spirit minister to the particular need that you have this morning. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we come, first of all, just so thankful for the immensity of your agape love and for the way that you humbly came and you served our need by dying for us and rising again. And that in Jesus we have everything, we have everything we need. And so you invite us to come this morning knowing that in you and you alone can just come and meet with us at that point of need that we have this morning. So let your Holy Spirit come where we are, listening to you speaking to us. Help us to respond to you reaching out to us with that relational agape love. Help us to respond 
to what you're saying to us about our life with you, our relationship with you, the relationships within our family at home, the relationships in church life and beyond. May we have the mindset of Jesus, Lord. Fill us more with you. We can only do it in and through you. The mindset of Jesus that expresses your love to one another in whatever situation you are speaking to us about. To you be the glory and the honour. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are now going to worship. This is our God, the Servant King. He calls us now to follow him, to give our lives as a daily offering of worship to our servant king. Thank you.